0: Welcome to North Boston, Korean United Methodist Church. Here we are a family that seeks to love others the way Jesus loves us and raise people up in his love. We're grateful to have you listen in. Regardless of who you are, you are always welcome here. For more information, check out our website at mbkumc.com. We hope you're having a great day today Um, You know, it's really, really bright outside and March has already begun I think as of next week Just buying time I I think as of next week, it will be a whole year Since (laughs) A whole year since the pandemic started Someone forgot to <laughs> erase the <laughs> Uh Sorry, we are having some technical difficulties, but uh, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. So it'll be a full year since the pandemic started, and we had to do this. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with this, Lord, but um, you know, it's it's easy to grumble and it's easy to have a really hard time uh, processing why this would happen to us. Why we would be in this situation where we cannot see one another. But at at this moment, I think there is a need to press into the faithfulness of God and to thank him for the fact that we have the resources to be able to uh, gather together uh, and worship him together. So we hope that you're doing well this week. Uh, We're going to continue through our sermon series on Romans through Lent so if you guys can open up your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 11 Romans chapter 11 I'm just going to be going through various parts of Romans chapter 11 Um, actually I'll read we'll read Romans chapter 11 verse 13 to the end of the chapter okay or actually till till 20, 27 okay romans chapter 13 to 27 this is the word of the lord now i am speaking to you gentiles So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness towards you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut, from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree how much more will these the natural branches be grafted back into their own olive tree lest you be wise in your own sight i do not want you to be unaware of this mystery brothers a partial hardening has come upon israel until the fullness of the gentiles have come in And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Can we just join together? Would you join me in praying? This beautiful morning, Abba, we just... We give you glory. Uh, we give you glory. Uh, but we just pray for for those who have, uh, for those who have been able to join us and for those who have not been able to join us. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would move in their hearts uh, just to be present, With your presence this morning, God, that they would be able to come into awareness of where you are meeting them, of where you are in their lives, that they would be ushered back to you, Lord. We thank you, Father God, for the faithfulness that you have shown this community over and over again, getting us through safely a year of quarantine. God, I just pray for every single head, every single soul who is present and not present, but a part of our family. Lord, I pray that the reality of the gospel would set in. Father God, I pray that the hope of Jesus would be met all over, wherever wherever people are, that the hope of Jesus would not be lost on them, Lord. Father, I pray for a desire to join you, a desire to follow after you, God. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be upon every head right now, that the peace of God and the Spirit of God would fall upon every single head. Lord, that any distraction, any and all distraction, any lies that we have come into agreement with God, that that would be broken and silenced in the name of Jesus. And Lord, that we would just be able to approach your throne of grace this morning, wherever we are. For we believe that you are a God of power and that you are a God that doesn't need any of us to do your will. So we pray that your will will be done in this ministry as it is in heaven. Lord, we give you glory. Hide me behind your cross that only you are magnified and only you are glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. All right, we are going through Romans 11. The title of this sermon is God has not cast off his people. God has not cast off his people. And the main idea um, of this sermon is if you are grafted in, do not take pride in your faith. If you are grafted in, do not take pride in your faith. And if your heart is hardened, seek the Lord. I'm going to repeat that whole main idea. If you are grafted in, do not take pride in your faith. If your heart is hardened, seek the Lord. All right. We're going to just jump right into this passage but before we jump right into this passage uh, i just want to recap our or refresh our memory on last week right last week was about uh romans 10 and it was about how we often miss we often trip over ourselves we're so focused in on our service we're so focused in on what we do for god what we have going on in our hearts that we miss the point that we misunderstand what it means to be a follower of the Lord. And and in the midst of choosing to do good, we miss the gospel in our lives. And that's how Israel tripped over grace and have lost sight of what it means to be God's children, right? This This understanding that they somehow are entitled to salvation because of their ethnicity, because of the law that has been given to them. The fact that they... Seek their own righteousness, but ignore God's. The fact that they have zeal, but lack knowledge. Right. And I gave the example of how, uh, I gave the example of how, um, when someone walks so intently that they fall over a rock right in front of them without looking. Right. Does that mean that those who miss the mark are rejected by God and by Paul? Does that mean that those who miss the mark are rejected by God and by Paul? No. And so, actually, I didn't. I didn't go into this in our reading, but actually, today's passage is on all of Romans eleven and verse one actually debunks this. Right? God calls a remnant by gracious choice, um, but it actually debunks the fact. Paul. Paul says here. Let me read Romans eleven, verse one. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? And God introduces this idea of a remnant. God calls a remnant by gracious choice. Now the word remnant means small part. The word remnant means small part. It's it's a slice of the pie, right? And when God talks to Elijah and Elijah says, hey, everybody is trying to kill me. They've killed off all these prophets. God says, I have chosen and I have set aside 7,000. So the word remnant is a fraction of a fraction of the whole. God calls a remnant by gracious choice. That's because God hasn't given up, okay? That's because God hasn't given up the rest are hardened so we see how israel is split up into two the remnant the small amount that have not lost it right um and the rest who are hardened they're hardened um this word hardened actually is derived from i i found i found this word a little interesting Um, the word hardened means it's the same definition of when a bone is hardened after it heals after being broken. So when, when a bone hardens, uh, when it's healing from a leg injury, right? Um, when, when I, when I read this verse, the immediate thing that came to mind is basketball because there are some gruesome moments in basketball where bones have jutted out of humans and, you know, uh, when, when when injuries go too far. I mean, that's happened all through uh, professional sports. And, and sometimes we've witnessed really disgusting things. Um, the word hardened is when a bone is hardened while it's healing. But interestingly enough, even though it's supposed to be this positive connotation, right? This, there's this element of being broken before, but, and and then there's this element of it being hardened when it, when it, heals but it's actually not a positive thing in another sense it means to make dull, to close the mind to have difficulty and understanding it's when the bone becomes hardened after healing and it's when the mind becomes blind bars man uh, when the, when the mind is blinded and the and it's its understanding and its perception closes. Like adult instrument. The sense of spiritual insensitivity. And the unexpected one who believes takes in the good news that was meant for the hearted chosen ones. Now I'm not trying to go there, but I will. Because as I was explaining last week, we can take Israel in for ourselves. And this particular chapter introduces a very interesting element of hardness, that the Israelites have been broken and have hardened due to their sin. It says that due to the fall Original sin in the fall, they have been hardened. Their minds have become dull and closed. And that's the spiritual insensitivity that's associated with Genesis 3 in the fall. But Israelites were broken. They were broken and they hardened. I did not see this when I was doing exegesis before. But I believe that that one word alone is a word. Because a lot of us, when we get hardened, when we we break... When our spirits break, maybe we go through intense trauma. Maybe we've gone through intense grief. Maybe we're going through quarantine and it's broken us. For whatever reason, when we go through intense amounts of pain that break us, there are two options. You can heal well or not heal well. And a lot of the times, when we, turn, when we choose to turn away from the Lord as a result of the pain that we've experienced in our lives, and that healing does not go well. We allow our brokenness, allow our pain. Well, I haven't been the same since my best friend died. We allow our pain to justify our hardness. And God calls out the state of Israel. See, it's not is for Israel. It's not just. It's not just grief. It's not just a, a falling out with a pivotal person. It's not just the falling out of a family. With Israel, It's actually it's actually war trauma, right? And it's conquest after conquest after conquest, being subordinate to people after people after people. This is a national systemic oppression of Israelites that have broken the spirit of the Israelites, right? So this is everything from... I mean, yeah, you can apply it into yourselves individually, but this can also speak, it can also, it can speak to a lot of, I'm not going to, it can speak to a lot of things in America right now. And I am going to choose not to apply it into other ethnic groups and what they've gone through because that's not, that's not my story. And it's not my thing to tell. And pain is pain and that's hard. So I'm not going to go there. But for me, right we're going through a season in our lives for at least for myself I, I can't speak for everybody here because we're a multi-ethnic congregation but for some people here we are asian americans or korean americans and we are going through a season where a lot of the marginalization that we our our Elderly people have experienced are rising to the top at the same time that people are completely fallen asunder by this model minority myth. And then a bunch of the second gen have completely Americanized and are basically trying to uh, absorb white privilege at the same time. And it's just this real hot, hot mess when in reality, hey, real check, real real talk, like reality check, Korea has been the underdog of Asia for nearly a millennium. We have never been privileged, ever. Even now, the developed country that we are, completely at the mercy of the US. We have never been privileged. We are in an armistice of nearly 90 years, 70 years. Korea is still at war with itself. That's the reality of our people. And a lot of that is rising to the surface, and I've I've had to I've had to, you know, process a bit of this with some of the first generation people um, in my life, um, and you know, walk with them through you know, what they've experienced and the 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 wars that they've experienced. Because hey, you know, our elderly folk has experienced at least two wars in their lifetime on their home ground, one with the Japanese. And then with themselves. Uh, It's a really, really painful experience. My own family has been torn by the Korean War um, and will never be patched up again as in the foreseeable future. Um, So, you know, that's the reality that we all are part of if you are Korean American. Um, And that brokenness has led a lot of, you know, first-generation people to be really calloused. And then on top of that, uh there's something called there's something called trauma like you can get traumatized by social media and i think that's what's been happening you know um in the rage that has come out of even black lives matter um when uh painful incidents are um spread to raise awareness and you see them every day that can actually create a collective trauma even through social media and so you know while the second generation is being traumatized um by the really the um you know the active light that has been shed on something that has actually been going on for quite a while at least in i don't know about oakland but in new york city i mean it's not my mom's face has been punched in you know on the subway like my dad has gone through things that i can't explain and that's that's been new york it's just now it's now there's instagram um and, and that's that's just kind of what's going on right now. And in the midst of all of that, like the whole, like everybody is in turmoil, right? Who's there to blame? Why is nobody caring? Where are the news outlets? Blah, 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 blah. Um, and so we allow our brokenness, which I know for the second gens, it's like we're sheltered and we have, a, we have a roof over our heads and we always have water and food. And so we don't realize the actual trauma that our people have gone through. We think that we're American before we're Korean, even though you're not. Um, I got things to say about that, but I won't. Um, and we are now broken now, but you know, our families have been broken for, you know, generations because we're immigrants here. We've not been here for a very long time. Um, and America doesn't know that. I won't go into all of this, but, um, we allow our brokenness to be callous, a reason for calloused hearts. And so what I've been dealing with uh, in this past month is just uh, family members getting really calloused. Um, How to pastor congregations where members are triggered uh, by what they're going through. Um, You know, connecting with people back in my community back home, uh, hearing about the growing unrest, um, because see... Koreans are, I can only speak for Koreans, I can't speak for other Asian-Americans, but Koreans in particular are, like I said, very recently traumatized by two different wars. So when there is a pattern of battery against a people that is already generationally traumatized by war, the reaction will be very severe. Um, Especially considering that it's been almost a millennium. Um, Koreans even have a word for it, it's called han this generational deep suffering, there's a specific word for it in, out, in the in the vocabulary because of this. And so a lot of this has been triggered. Now the problem is that many people are using that as reason to say, ah, oh, and I, I, I fall privy to this, I have to pray about this every single day because I'm triggered every single day, every single day. Um, and your pain, is not justification for hardness. The reason why I explain at length the plight of the Korean people is not to sit here on a soapbox and tell you about Asian Americans, because at the end of the day, pain is not compared, and it's not—it's not, it's not some—it's not a competition. And so I'm not out here to sit on a soapbox and tell you about Asian American pain. Uh, and and reality. But I'm here to explain to you that that amount of pain does not warrant hardness against the Lord. Now, all of most of here, this is also another reality. Most people of color have gone through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of pain, not just not just Korea, not just Asia. We can talk about Africa. We can talk about Central America. It's been crazy. The world has been crazy. You know why? Sin. So it's been absolutely disgusting and people are constantly in some level of trauma. Your brokenness does not justify hardenedness. Even if you've experienced pain, your heart getting hardened against God is a completely other situation entirely. Partially because God is not the author of sin. It's like me blaming grace for the suffering that my parents have been through. You're like, whoa, exactly. Your brokenness does not warrant hardness against God. I say that with compassion. And I say that firmly but gently because that doesn't mean that God doesn't love your pain. But I think there's something to be said about the fact that the Israelites who were hardened are not a part of the remnant. I think there's something to be said about that because there's some internal, and I've gone through this in, in, in the previous parts of Romans, there's some internal pride that is at work there. There's some assumption that God ought to save you, some assumption that you are entitled to particular things that are there. When sin is a result of human rebellion against God, And so there's something to be said about that word, hardened. And then while the people who are supposed to be hurting or the people that are supposed to, you know, get to the finish line, they stumble over their hardened hearts. The unexpected people that nobody thought would get to the finish line make it. I know we got some younger people here, so I'm going to use... Uh, a prettier analogy, right? I should have done it the other way around. Uh, The hare and the tortoise. Y'all all all heard this lovely little story, right? There is a fast bunny. I never understood the difference between a hare and a bunny. Does anybody in this room know the difference between a hare and a bunny? Hairs are larger. And it's not H A I R, it's H-A-R-E. Sorry, I don't know why I said that. Um, But hares are larger than bunnies. And hares, I don't know, this particular hare is fast. Don't know where that came from, but they're fast. And the hare and the tortoise were in the race. And then the hare clearly was so much faster than the tortoise. So the hare started to get a little prideful. And he's like, all right, the tortoise is never going to catch up. So I'm going to take a little nap in the middle of this race. Because he was way, way beyond The tortoise to begin with and then so he takes this nap and then while he takes this nap he falls into a deep sleep and the tortoise who walks slowly and steadily ends up winning the race the hare tries to he wakes up at the very end and he tries his best to catch up but to no avail and the tortoise wins the race right this very cute little story all right let me ask you a question about this story when did this grace well when did this great when did this race end at what point Was it Gigi? At what point was it done? For some of you guys, you might say when the hair fell asleep. For some of you guys, you guys might say when the tortoise crossed over the finish line. I believe that the race was lost in the beginning. And that's because It wasn't necessarily the hare's nap. Yeah, slow and steady wins the race, but I think there's a larger lesson to be learned there that school can't teach you about, and that's pride. I think that the race was lost when the hare had too much pride. I don't know if that was the night before the race. I don't know if it was a week before the race, but I think at some point the hare was hardened in his heart and the the win was stolen from him or he gave it away I think this um story actually gives a really good picture of the posture of a hardened heart somebody who thinks that a win is entitled to him someone who thinks that they deserve victory someone who has way too much puts way too much stock in his abilities and his performance rather than on grace. And then the unexpected one, the one that nobody thought would get to the finish line, finishes the race. I think that's what's happened between the Jews and the Gentiles. Like I was explaining, I can only explain you know, national suffering through my own ethnicity, but every ethnicity has an element of this, right? Um, especially as Americans, I. But I don't want to go there because I don't want to go there. Uh, we we don't need to talk about America right now. <laughs> but uh, you know, I can only explain that one way. But for regard regardless of whatever reason, there's a brokenness that has healed badly that has hardened people's hearts, that has made them dull, that has made them blind, that has made them bitter, angry, and has brought them to a place where they are no longer able to be a part of the remnant. And while that people might still feel entitled to some level of breakthrough, to some level of freedom, to some level of victory, to a level of God's grace. It is the unexpected people who make it to the finish line instead of those chosen ones. And yet, this is what I love about God, the beginning of the chapter starts with God's will to still elect them and call them back home. the beginning of the chapter still starts with the fact that God has called and appointed a Jew to give this message, not just because of his love for the Gentiles, but because of his love for the Jews. That's the first part. That's the situation of what's going on here. But then there's the second element, and this is really the crux of this chapter. So we've got to, I know that's, I'm going to dwell on that word hardened for a long time because I am constantly in danger of being hardened and healing badly out of pain. And I think everybody is privy to this. What the pain that we're going through, if we don't heal well, if we do not trust in God, if we do not bring it to him, if we do not actively walk towards God and choose, choose to acknowledge him in all our ways, we all run the risk of being hardened but you know that's not that's not all see there's so much grace in this passage for the for the ones that are hardened and it continues you know paul The crux of this, actually, the crux of this letter really reveals in in chapter 11. Uh, It it goes into the crux of the book. The Roman Gentile Christians have become boastful and prideful onto the Jewish Christians, as though the favor has left the Jews. What I mean by that is, in in the church in Rome, uh, the Gentile Christians became a majority, and then the Jewish Christians became a minority. And the Gentile Christians started to get a a little boastful about it because they believe that the favor of God has left the Jews and are now on the Gentiles or the church. Paul starts off with this understanding that you have been grafted in. And he gives this example of an olive tree. I just want to read it before I break it down a little bit. Um ready it goes oh it's like all integrated in but I'm going to read from verse 16. If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant towards the branches. If you are, remember that it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief and you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity towards those who have fallen and God's, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Verse 23, and even, if, even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in for God has a power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from by what is nature, a wild olive tree, and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? And so we see this example of this olive tree. Now what does the olive tree signify? What do you think the olive tree signifies? Amy, what do you think the olive tree signifies? Oh, she looks I'm so sorry. What do you think the olive tree signifies? Just say anything you're close oh that's bad i thought you were going to say the jews and i'm be like no um she said god's people um that's partially true because the olive tree is talking about you know there's this element of jews and gentiles but god's people it, the olive tree signifies god's salvation and the kingdom of god based on from how it's talking about being cut off in the roots being, you know, it's talking, it's really talking about God's salvation and entrance into his kingdom. It's not just talking about the kingdom of God, but it's talking about the grace by faith, which is the root of the kingdom of God. Um, And so the olive tree is that salvation and the kingdom of God. And then the natural branches are the Jews, and the wild olive branches are the Gentiles. And so we see this view of this, or this picture of wild olive branches that are being grafted in, into the, into the, uh, cultivated olive branch. Now, do you guys know what being grafted in is? All right, here is I'm a city girl, I don't know why I'm giving this lesson, but here is a horticultural lesson for you. I have not touched soil like that either, so if you don't understand, it's okay, you are in good company. Um, So what happens when trees are grafted in is, what farmers do is they break off bad branches and they take, technically they take a branch and they wrap it onto it, like a different branch and they wrap it onto it, wrap wrap it onto the, the general tree Um, and then you wait a season and actually, oh my God, the miracle of life is the cells melt together. How amazing is that? Chef's kiss. That's so cool. That is so cool. And that's, that's the imagery that's talking about being grafted in, right? But this is often missed in... A lot of sermons and a lot of exegesis exegesis that is done on this passage. To graft in a wild branch onto a tree that is cultivated is unnatural. Farmers don't do that. It is not normal to graft a wild tree onto a, or a wild branch onto a cultivated tree. You would graft a cultivated branch onto a cultivated tree, not a wild one. It's not a natural practice. This highlights the grace of God. Salvation that is grafted in all of us, y'all, all of us. Who here is an Israelite? Nobody. So we are all Gentile. All of us are grafted in. It is not natural to be grafted in. It is not common sense to be grafted in. It is the grace of God and the power of his life that allows us to be grafted in a very unnatural thing. And this shows This shows, because you know, this first example, the way that Paul is a Jew, you can tell, he still has that like pride, not pride, but he loves. He still loves his people. They're still family to him, right? And so you might miss it, but in this example, it is clear. God does not graft people in just because the Jews weren't good enough, and so there are all these empty branches, and God's like, all right, okay, now that the Jews lost their shot, everybody else gets a chance. It's not that. The Gentiles are not grafted in just to pick up scrap, but it's because God has used Israel's rebellion against God to be merciful to the Gentiles who are in rebellion against God. This is God turning a negative situation for good. This is God actively and intentionally Spending time to graft the Gentiles in because he didn't just have a plan of favor for the Israelites because he somehow loved them more because they were somehow his favorites. He loves his people. And so he had a plan to do something good out of something that was inherently evil. This process, this horticultural process of being grafted in shows a level of intentionality and a level of precision that is not coincidental. So the first thing that we can take away is this hardness against God. The second thing that we can take away is God uses bad situations for good. Even what the enemy means for evil, he turns it for your good. We read about that literally like four weeks ago in Romans 8. For in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For in all things... The good, the bad, and the ugly, God is not stopping his work. And he has used this situation where his people have rebelled against him. Their hearts have been hardened from brokenness. They've taken it out on their faith. And yet he is using this situation to bring good. But Paul doesn't use this imagery to somehow just bless the gentiles he uses this imagery to rebuke them because they have been haughty i I don't know if you guys have seen i don't know if you guys noticed it because i didn't read it that way um but in verse 19 it uh paul is actually intentionally mimicking them it's like then you will say branches were broken off so that i might be grafted in okay and it's like this you can't read, when you read it, it doesn't sound like that, but in the Greek, there, there's a level of sass and a level of pride that, you know, you don't, you don't, English is bland. English is like European food. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't mean it like that. I'm Sorry. <laughs> i don't mean i'm like that i love i love europe i love europe that's where i want to go for my honeymoon not not taking not i'm not i don't know why i'm like this i don't know how to be pc anyway um yeah so english is the, lang- the language the language is a bit bland and um you miss who you miss a lot of the spice and the flavor that goes into to the original language and actually here they are being hella sassy like hella sassy right and it's not even just being sassy it's like they are a whole other level of spoiled it's like bratty right um so they're like then you will say right branches were broken off so that i might be grafted in kind of like this level of of entitlement that makes my nose crinkle. I will say everybody, I really believe everybody in New England should live a year in Queens. I think so, I really think so. I don't know why I said that either. Uh, <laughs> no, it's just different cultures. Um, but yes, so it's it's this like level of haughtiness um, that it, it's it's difficult um to read well if you're reading in the original language if you're reading in the letter paul is clearly he's throwing he's he's taking his shot like when he called abraham almost dead like this is a shot this is paul being his sassy self um and then he says that is true they were broken off because of their unbelief but you stand fast through faith so do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Bada bing, bada boom, boom, boom. Right? And what is he saying here? He is saying that the Gentiles' pride is not natural either. So just as this process of being saved through faith, man, I have taken so many shots in this. Just as, just as. Salvation is not natural and it's only through faith. So is also the pride of the Gentiles. That ain't natural either. When Paul copies them, it's haughty. And he's basically saying, but if you have adopted a haughty attitude towards Israel, you should fear God's judgment as well because this attitude betrays a lack of faith and an overemphasis on your works. And this, my friends, is where we have every reason to apply this into our lives. Not not, not Paul's, you know, re- rebuke as like, it is strong, but I think there is, there is good that there's a lot that we can pick up from it. Even myself, I can be so, I can be so entitled when it comes to my faith, when it comes to who I am. And it's so easy for all of us, right, to be entitled to things that uh, we have because we've had them and God doesn't necessarily blame us for it but the place in our heart where we are getting to that point is not necessarily the best place to be um, and this attitude this attitude that we have towards God where we are over where we are where we have some level of entitlement uh, where we Ought to have favor. Um, That actually. Is. um, Also the same thing that the Israelites were doing. And so we see here. That the Gentiles are no better. Because the attitude of entitlement. That makes us think. Oh yeah. Favor is on our side now. Not on the Israelites. that, that, That attitude actually betrays. A minimization of faith and an overemphasizing of your work so even for those of us who have been grafted in we are this is a clear this is a clear example that's why i've been saying like consider the israelite situation as though it were your own not because america is israel i'm not saying that we are the chosen ones i am not saying that we are the chosen ones scripture states clearly who we are we are gentiles everybody we are the gentiles we are not the israelites okay we are a part of God's kingdom, a part of the new covenant. What's The old is gone, the new has come. We are a part of the kingdom of heaven. We are God's people, but we are not, we are not the Israelites, okay? A lot of American doctrine points to the fact that we are, no, we're not. We're not. We're ethnically not. Um, But here, Paul is clearly stating the danger that everyone runs the risk of doing um and they are doing what israel did right they're assuming that god is obligated to them and this shows how we are all the same and how the hardness the poros of israel is the same thing that we we are privy to um so that so then the real division because god doesn't care about ethnicity god doesn't care about external factors God made you just the way you are. You are beautiful. From the color of your skin to the features of your face to how tall or short you are, from your stature to everything, God made you that way. He blessed his creation and he genuinely thinks that you are beautiful just the way you are. He delights in your image, okay? The division is not about ethnicity. The division is not about your looks. It's not about the color of your skin. It's between those who receive the gospel and those who reject it. It's between those who have faith and those who are hardened. We have seen this from Romans 4. If y'all don't remember, go back to Romans 4 and watch, listen to, I've been listening to the podcast, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. This is exactly what it's about. It's not about ethnicity. It's not about what was in the previous covenant. It's just about the children of promise, which is through faith. It's through faith. And Paul still, he still cares about the Jews. And he still hopes that those who hear will be envious of the gospel. Now, one very important question that I want to get over um, that might come up in, in this passage that is really distracting from the, from the purpose of the passage is, is Paul saying we don't matter as much as Jews do? And the answer to that is No. This is a specific pastoral situation. A lot of the times, I've been learning about this these days. There is something to be said, and you must understand this. In the Bible, there are two types of passages. Passages that that apply to that specific social location and time and people that that the author is talking to. And passages that are describing something that is transcultural. An example of something that is transcultural is the Ten Commandments. That is transcultural, regardless of your culture, regardless of your time, that's something that applies to you. The gospel, regardless of your culture, regardless of the time period that you grew up in, regardless of your society, that, belo- that applies to you. This pastoral admonition does not apply here because this is Paul speaking to a specific time and place and a specific situation he is giving pastoral admonition. He is admonishing his congregation And so there's no need to ascribe that and say, oh, the Jews are most, there are are ethnocentric elect. That's not true. It's not true. It's not true. In the same way, I will go into this, I hope I, I don't know, I actually don't hope that I will go into this in the future. There are oppressive texts and in, in, in the in the Bible, such as Ephesians 5, talking about women and husbands, slaves and masters, and 1 Timothy and in 1 Peter, and we will go over them one by one as the time permits, whenever things open up again, because those things are specific to that social location. Those are not transcultural texts. The Bible does not condone ethnocentric faith. The Bible does not condone slavery. The Bible does not condone the oppression of women, okay? So it's not a transcultural text. It is a text specific to the social location. This is no different. This is Paul's specific, specific words to the Romans because those particular Roman Gentile Christians were oppressing Jewish Christians. And Paul is saying, and, and they're also saying, because Paul overemphasizes on the Gentiles, therefore we are important. And Paul is saying, no, that's not true. Respect the Jews. That's what Paul is saying here, specifically to them, okay? Now that's a lot of context, and I know there's, there's like big hits in the middle, um, but everything in between. But... I think with these kinds of passages, application is going to be very important. It's a hard passage to read, let alone to preach on. And so how can we apply this into our lives? The first thing is that God uses everything for good. We saw in the situation of the Israelites that they were hardened. They weren't hardened for no reason. They were hardened because they were broken. We have been in those situations as people groups and as individuals. When I was hurt, I did not care what God had to say about my life especially in youth group and in early college. I don't know if y'all are in that season. When, When I was hardened and I was bitter, I felt like that gave me incentive to walk away from the church. I'm telling you right now that it is not. It is not a good reason to walk away from God because God is not to blame for those situations. Now, you might say, God, what are you doing? Clearly in this situation, we can see that God is is working for our good. Even what the enemy means for evil, the Lord is using it for good. God is able to use even Israel's rebellion against him for his merciful intention to save vast numbers of Gentiles. So how do we apply this and what do we do? Okay, God uses everything for good. Maybe some of you guys are hardened right now. Maybe some of you guys are really hardened because of quarantine. Maybe some of you guys are going through seasons in your life where you just wanna walk away from the Lord. And you might hear me saying this and you're like, well, Jane, how do I even apply this? If God, if that's you, remember that God sees you. Remember that God isn't saying that your pain is nothing. The fact that I am saying, this is a very critical distinction. I'm very, I'm sorry if it's a little, if it's a little, if it's hurting your head a little bit. Just because God says it's not good reason to walk away from him doesn't mean that God is diminishing your suffering. It doesn't mean that God is diminishing your pain. You see, Christ is a God that understands. Christ is a God that gets it. God is not diminishing your pain, but he is saying, why are you turning away from me because of your pain when I am the answer? For some of you, it might mean to fix your eyes somewhere else on God rather than what you've been fixing your eyes on before. Be it your future, be it an escape hatch, plan A, plan B, plan C. Treatment, medical treatment, emotional treatment. I don't know. But those are not the answers to this problem. They might solve symptoms, but they cannot heal your heart. Only God can do that. God uses everything for good. And though the Israelites rejected it, the Gentiles are grafted in. So how can we apply that? Ask God for grace to trust him more. Ask God to help your unbelief. Interestingly enough, when it comes to brokenness, Christ intimately understands And God does not give up on you. He is actively doing things for good. Sometimes we need the grace of God to really sink in for us to trust him more. The gravity of how much Christ understands needs to sink in for you to be able to trust him more. The gravity of how Christ has not given up on you might need to sink in for you to trust him more. The gravity of how much Christ has not abandoned you might need to sink in for you to trust him more. See, you're, see Christ is not the authority figures in your life that have failed you. Christ is not the governments that have te- torn you down. Christ is not the people that have hurt you. And even when you curse him, He weeps for your pain. That's God. God uses everything for good. And often we might need grace to trust him more. The second thing is don't presume mercy. What I mean by that is don't take mercy for granted. Don't be prideful or actually just remember that you are not entitled to it. That's the significance of Paul saying, remember that it's not the branches that feed the root, but the root that feed the branches. It's not your works and how good of a person you are that determines your election. It's your election that determines your worth. Remember from where the value flows. That is the answer to insecurity, and that is the answer to pride. Remember from where your value flows. It does not flow from the circumstances. It does not flow from the season." Your value flows from the root. Your nourishment does not flow from the snow that falls from the sky or the summer air. Maybe you're in a season of wilderness. Maybe you're in a season of fruitfulness. It does not matter. That does not determine you, God does. Remember God. Don't take mercy for granted. And the last thing is, don't sit in judgment about others. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. Do not... What what this means is, often it might mean that we need more respect for other people. I know, I I suck at that too, clearly. Can't believe I just decided that it was actually societally appropriate to call European food bland like that I apologize I apologize that's not appropriate of me that's really not appropriate of anybody we have to learn to have better respect for one I have to learn to respect people I have to learn to respect I have to learn to respect people too and I hope that you guys can join me in learning to give other people the dignity that God has given them because that's not determined by their actions or their culture is determined by the Lord, and that's a hard pill that we have to swallow. That was a a big argument that I often had with people in college because people, some people really hated Trump, and um, I told them that God God loves Trump, because um, he he God does. Um, I can't I can't I can't say that I do, but that very least I must be able to acknowledge. I must be able to acknowledge God. That even to the people that I s- might think are irredeemable, God God loves that person. Um, and that takes faith. It doesn't take humility. That takes faith. It's not just about humility. That takes faith in God. Faith that God does unconditional things. Faith that God does crazy things. And sometimes God does things that might make us a little mad because he's just too good. But that's God. And He loves whom he loves. Sometimes that might also mean not show, not sitting in judgment about other people. May, might mean to welcome other people regardless of whether or not you like them. You need to be able to. We we we. It is it is our burden and our desire to be a family that can welcome everybody. Um, so you. Let's together join me in trying to expand the doors of our hearts. As much as this is a Korean church, and as much as y'all know, I do Korean church research, and our, our ministry is ethne, uh, multi-ethnic. The reason for that is because faith is multi-ethnic. The only reason why we are a Korean church is because that is our spiritual heritage. So as to not lose judges. The only reason why I do research in the way that I do is because I value the way that God has been faithful to the people that came before me. It's not to create exclusivity. Understand the difference. We can pay homage without being ethnocentric. Faith is not ethnocentric. Faith does not care about where you come from and what you are and who you are. Faith is given to everybody. We are all Gentiles. We might as well be a Gentile church. Um, And then there will be a day where a Jewish person will come and we can't be that either. And that's fine, because that's faith. Lastly, don't repay evil with evil. I know some of y'all are angry. I don't know if y'all, I tried, to t- I tried to put a damper on it, but I'm, I'm sure you guys hear how angry I am as well because I'm very aware. I am very aware of why I stand before you. I am very aware on whose backs I stand. And I'm also very aware that this country has completely misunderstood my people. And that my people are actively misunderstanding their own origin. and I'm angry about that. Deeply, 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 deeply. And some of us might say, you know, Asian Americans have only been going through suffering for decades. (sighs) You would have to be ignorant to say that because the people have been around for so long. They've just been in America for decades. Are you serious? Come on. The history of, at least my heritage, goes back way past the borders of America. And so does the history of suffering. Most of the rough stuff was across the ocean. That's why we came here. Right? Does that mean that I get to repay evil with evil? No, I was listening to Chandler Moore this morning. He was singing, Um, in his there's a there's listen to it maverick city music released a new album it's called jubilee oh my god it has been it has been water an oasis in the desert oh my jesus anyway um but he was praying he was saying he was praying for rest for the angry and the frustrated and he was praying for rest for the angry and the frustrated that they would not commit sin That their anger and their bitterness and their frustration and their rage would not beget sin. And I think that's something that we need to be aware of. This is not a time for all of us to all of a sudden be up in arms about where we've come from and inflict violence. Or to bring judgment upon other people. If if there's anything that this passage teaches us, it's that we're all the same. But God sees our pain. So it's a moment for us to bring our pain before the Lord, recognize who he is, and all be grafted in together. Where do you stand on this olive tree? Where are you? God has not cast you off. If you're hardened, If you're softened, regardless of your season, God has not given up on you. And whatever you are going through in your life, we can sit with you in it, but I can promise you that God is not done with your story. And that he is actively by your side. Can we take this moment to pray? Are you grafted in? Are you taking pride in your faith? Are you hardened and you need to seek the Lord? Where do you stand? Are you grafted in? Or are you hardened? Are you able to see where God is in your life? And what he's doing for your good? Can we take this moment to ask for greater faith? Let's ask for greater faith that faith would arise in our congregation. That we would realize who God is, that we would ask for grace to trust God more, where you're struggling with the Lord. Would you turn your eyes to Jesus this morning? Would you not take mercy for granted? Let's take this moment to pray together. Let's pray. God, we ask, Father, for just faith to arise in your congregation. Lord, I just pray for every single heart. I pray for peace in hearts. I pray for a desire to go towards you. That we would not take mercy for granted. That we would realize who God is. Jesus, help us. Help us, Father Lord, for faith to rise in our hearts. For some of us who are hurting, let's pray for healing. Let's pray that God would knead out those knots of hardness in our hearts. And that he would bring healing let's ask for a god to soften our hearts so that we can come before him in our pain to a god that completely understands us and completely holds us and completely heals us instead of getting hardened there is another way Instead of just getting strong-minded, there is another way. Instead of shutting everybody out, there is another way. And that way has to do with the Lord. So can we just take this moment to press into the goodness of God right now? To press into the goodness of God? Lord, we just pray for From wherever you are listening, we hope you were blessed by this week's message. For more information, check out our website at mbkumc.com.